Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Vineyard Church, Woodstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Riverside. All the time. Anyway, I'll welcome Simon. Fantastic. Oh, the Holy Spirit's here this morning. He's here every morning, but just a few theologians out there before you, before you start to come after me. Um, someone once said to someone in the vineyard, why do you say come Holy Spirit? Because he's already here, isn't he? Uh, and clearly God is already present by his spirit. But it's, um, it's an invocation. It's an invitation to say, God, we want more of your presence. We recognize you're here, but we desire more of you. Jesus said, how much more will God give the Spirit to those who ask? And so when we say, come Holy Spirit, we're just saying, God, we just desire more of you in our lives. We want more of your presence, more of your work. And so, and so God's here, and it's just beautiful to see him ministering to us this morning. We've been spending the past few weeks learning about how to listen to God, how to get better at listening. And today we're going to do some practical. Okay? So I'm going to try and finish by 20 to 12. The young people are going to come back in. I'm going to spend some time listening to God. How does that sound? Wow, you're saying, you're saying, yes. You're all thinking, time to go. I want to encourage you that, that, um, that we can all grow uh, in responding to God. Jesus said, um, use the analogy of a shepherd and sheep, like the sheep, my followers, my disciples. And he said, my sheep will know my voice. They will know my voice. They'll be able to recognize my voice, discern my voice, even from a stranger's voice, they'll be able to know the, tell the difference between my voice and a stranger's voice. And they will listen for my voice and they will, they will follow me. And the, uh, the context in the, in the Middle East when shepherds, sometimes shepherds would, would gather their sheep together and put them in common pens for the night. And so you imagine all these different shepherds gathering their sheep and them all going into common pens and all getting mixed up. And, and then in the morning, the shepherd would come and, and, and speak and, and call out his sheep. And his sheep would know his voice. So his sheep will come out and another shepherd's sheep will come out. And there's a sense of the sheep knowing the shepherd's voice who looked after them and cared for them. And that was the context Jesus spoke into. And so you know, the promise is that you and I can hear the voice of God in our lives. If you've come to know Jesus as, as Christian chaired, you've already heard the voice of Jesus. He spoke into your life and you've responded. So my sheep will know my voice. My sheep will be able to recognize my voice and listen to my voice. So we're going to try and spend a bit of time today listening to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us um, as a church. When God speaks, he uh, encourages, uh, he exhorts, which means he kind of says, come on, we need to do this. That's what an exhortation is. Or he edifies, he, he builds us up, he says things to encourage us and to, and to build us up. And so a bit later on, we're going to wait on the Lord and see what he may want to say to us to encourage us. So your job and my job is to have your listening ears on. Okay. So I said earlier on, when God comes, he, he doesn't divide the room into participants and spectators. He doesn't do that. You know, he doesn't say, well, you've got, you got the ones who always do this, and, and they'll do it, and the rest will kind of watch on. Uh, he doesn't do that. Ministry should join a room together, not divide it. And so when we invite the Spirit to come, he, we all get invited into that. We all get invited to listen and be part of what God wants to do. So... Um, I want to encourage you today, particularly if this is something that isn't, isn't really normal for you or you've not experienced it before. 
I want to encourage you particularly to maybe respond to what God might say to you. You might get a little nudge or a little word or a little impression. Just encourage you to sort of come and share that and just be confident in that. And no one's going to judge you. No one's going to decide whether it was God or not. No one's going to sort of do that here today. We're just going to try and make space for God to come and do that. Does that sound okay? You're all terrified, I can tell. <laughs> We're going to first look at the story of Elijah. So if you've got your Bible, turn to, uh, to 1 Kings chapter 19. Bit of background. Uh, Elijah uh, has been led by God to Mount Carmel. And he's, he's, to, he's to confront the prophets of Baal. Jezebel is the chief prophetess and she's leading these, this gang of prophets, 450, 500 prophets. And they're leading Israel into destruction. They're worshipping false gods and it's just a, it's just a mess. And God leads Elijah to confront them uh, on top of a mountain. And there's this wonderful showdown, an extraordinary story, whereby um, they build two, two bonfires. And uh, Elijah says, well, I've got a test for you. Why don't we build two bonfires, and the God who answers by fire, then he's the real God. He's the real God. And so they build two bonfires, and they, they put sacrifice on them. And they start to say, okay, let's, let's call down the gods that we serve. So the prophets of Baal, uh, they get out there and they go wild. You think Strictly Come Dancing is full on, but they really go for it. <laughs> they really, they dance around, they shout, they dance. They even cut themselves they, to show how, how fervent they are. Let their blood flow to try and call down their god Baal to call fire on this sacrifice. Nothing happens. And they start in the morning, they get through to lunchtime and still nothing's happening. And Elijah's, you know... He's trolling them. Perhaps your God's on the toilet, he's saying. Perhaps he's busy. You know, perhaps he's not answering. And they go right through the evening, and they're fervently cutting themselves and dancing and shouting and frenetically trying to call down their God. And nothing happens. And up steps Elijah to his bonfire. Now, imagine this morning trying to light a bonfire that's been out all night in the rain. You'd struggle, wouldn't you? I'm not saying using petrol or anything like that. If you tried to light a bonfire that had been out all night in the rain, you'd really, really struggle. In fact, you'd probably find it impossible. But Elijah turns his bonfire into something like that. They pour water over it. They pour water over it. The whole thing is standing in a pool of water. It's literally a bonfire in a paddling pool. And then Elijah just says, Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God of Israel and I'm your servant I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know you, Lord, that you are God, and you're turning their hearts back again. No cutting, no shouting, no dancing, and the fire falls. Bang! And it falls so powerfully, it burns up the sacrifice, it burns up the sodden wood, it evaporates the paddling pool, it burns up the soil and the stones that the bonfire is standing on. Now, I've tried to light some pretty dodgy barbecues in the past, and, you know, this is next level. The fire falls and consumes the entire thing. And the people, they look at it and they go, wow, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And they have this experience, and the fire falls. And Jezebel is defeated in that moment. Satan's attempt to overthrow the, the lordship of Israel is defeated. And the prophets of Baal get rounded up and dispatched. And then the extraordinary story of Elijah going to the hillside. And there's been this drought, this, 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 this drought of judgment over the land for three and a half years. And he, and he prays fervently seven times until he sees a cloud the size of a man's hand. 
And he says to King Ahab, you better get in your chariot and get back to the city because there's a huge storm coming. And just to top it all off, he sticks his cloak in his belt and he runs ahead of the horses about 30 miles back to the city. Now, I would consider that not to be a bad day in the office, wouldn't you? We stood up one, one, one day on a Sunday and said, well, actually, on Monday, what we did, we destroyed all the prophets of Baal and we called in a thunderstorm and we set the fire of God. And da, da, da. He had an amazing day at the office in terms of his experience of God. But then things started to change. And that's where I want to pick the story up in your Bibles, uh, in 1 Kings 19. Jezebel hears what he's done and decides to threaten his life. And she says, May the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of my dead prophets. So she intimidates and threatens Elijah. And Elijah, who's had this incredible, incredible encounter with God, with God's power and demonstration, suddenly he's gripped by fear and he's terrified and he flees. He runs away. He said he was so afraid he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judea, he left his servant there, and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So Elijah has this extraordinary experience, and then he's gripped by fear and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. He wants to end his life. He's just overcome 450, but the threatening intimidation of one has driven him to this place. So God, if you read the story, God sends angels to minister him. They give him food and water and he rests. And then God leads him. God leads him to a place of encounter. In your Bible, it's called uh, Mount Horeb. And uh, most theologians believe it to be the same place that the commandments were given. It's Mount Sinai. So it's the same holy mountain where God encountered his people before. And uh, Elijah travels there and uh, he finds a cave and he kind of rests and stops. And then this incredible voice comes to him, the voice of God. And the voice says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now we spoke over the past few weeks about the, the words of Jesus to um, the disciples when he asked them, who do you say I am? It's the question that comes back to us time and time again in our own lives as we follow Jesus. Who do you say I am? Who do you believe I am in your life? What position do I hold? And this is another question that God will bring back to you over and over again. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And it's a great question, isn't it? God knows full well why Elijah is there. He knows that he's terrified and he's full of anxiety and and he's depressed, and he just wants to get away from it all. But he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And it's a question that will come back to you and I over and over again in our lives. As we sit in church this morning, what are you doing here? What did you come here for? What, what, what is the purpose? Where am I in this story? Someone once said to me, and I said before, you know, why do we bother praying? Why do we bother asking God? Why do we speak to God? God? God knows it all already. Why do we have to tell him about it? And that's because God is so desirous of relationship with you and me. He wants relationship. Keely and I have been married a long time. We know most things about each other. We probably don't need to speak anymore. We can just get through life, you know, guessing what that person's going to do next or guessing what they, 
You know, that's just great, isn't it? Let's just not bother speaking. That wouldn't make for a happy marriage, would it? It wouldn't make for a great relationship. And so God speaks to Elijah in the fire because he's trying to draw him back into a relationship. What are you doing here? What's going on? What's really happening here? And Elijah responds in a very downhearted way. I've been zealous for you, God, you know. He's, what, he's into what we call the me alone syndrome. Sometimes when we minister hard and, we, and life is tough, it feels like we're on our own in it all. And sometimes it feels like we're the only one who cares. We're the only one who's doing something. We're the only one who is actually making a difference. No one else cares. When I walk down the corridor sometimes on a, on a, in the week, down some rubbish on the corridor, I think, well, nobody else picked that up. I suppose I better do it then. Me alone, I'll pick it up. I'm the only one around here who picks up the rubbish in the corridor. Is that true? No, it's utter rubbish. But the flesh part of me says, it's just you. It's just you that cares. It's just you. You're on your own. No one really cares. And Elijah was in this place where he felt God had kind of abandoned him. So he was the only one left. He was the only one who cared. And he was down on himself and he was depressed and he was anxious and he was fearful. I'm the only one left, God, and they're trying to kill me as well. Me alone. But Elijah is not alone. That is not the truth of his situation. And God says to him, I'm going to speak to you, Elijah. I'm going to encounter you, Elijah. So he tells him, go and stand in the mouth of the cave. So I'm going to pass by. I'm going to pass by. And then this extraordinary manifestation happens on the mountain. The mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Three incredibly powerful manifestations. Earth, wind and fire. Not the band, but... These manifestations. And Elijah would have known that God had manifested himself in this way before. When the Israelites came to Mount Sinai before, God shook the mountain. God shook the mountain. There was fire. God had just answered by fire at Mount Carmel. So, so, God, so Elijah knew that sometimes God answered in the earthquake. God answered in the fire. He knew also that God sometimes answered in the wind. God spoke to Job out of the storm, out of the wind. So all these manifestations could well have had God in them. But Elijah discerned that God wasn't present in these dramatic manifestations. He was the God in the whisper. He was the God in the silent, small voice. And it was this silence and stillness and smallness that drew Elijah to cover his face. Why did he cover his face? Because to look upon the face of God was to die. And so when he went out to meet God on the side of that mountain, he covered his face with his cloak because he sensed God was imminently present outside the mouth of that cave. He covered his face and he walked out to meet the Lord. in the silence and the stillness and in the whisper. So Elijah heard God after all that chaos, after all that drama, he heard God there in the stillness. 
And God wants to speak to you and I out of the stillness. In the whisper. But it's so hard these days to hear God, the God of the whisper. It's so hard because there's so much noise in our lives. And we're also addicted to activity, aren't we? It's much easier to be active than to be still. It's much easier to do something than try and just still ourselves and wait for the voice of the Lord. Even though scripture says, be still and know that I am God. A lot of us fear silence. Modern psychologists say that most of us can't bear any more than 15 seconds of silence. That's how addicted we are to activity and to noise. It makes us uncomfortable. Stillness makes us uncomfortable. And I think also sometimes we fear intimacy. We fear intimacy with God. We said God is the transcendent God, but also God is the imminent God. He wants to draw close to us. So when Elijah sensed God in the whisper, it caused him to cover his face because he sensed the closeness of God's presence. We don't need to cover our faces anymore because of the work of the cross. We don't need to fear the imminent presence of God. It says this in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. This wonderful passage by Paul saying that we don't have to cover our faces anymore because God has made a way for us to come into his intimate presence in utter security. And we come in and we're being transformed by that, that intimate encounter with him. By degrees, by degrees, by degrees, God comes and meets with us and changes us and forms us. Because the God, our Lord God, he's spirit. We're a spirit-filled people. We're a spirit-led people. If we incorporate stillness and solitude into our lives, we will begin to hear God in the whisper. We will get better at hearing the still, small voice of the Lord. And we'll get to a point where we can hear that still, small voice even in activity. You'll get to discern it, even in the midst of activity. I had a funny thing happen to me this week. This busy day that we're talking about, I was running around trying to find Keeley, And I ran into the top half of the building and um, I saw Elaine. I hadn't spoken to Elaine that morning. And rather than say, hi, Elaine, nice to see you. How are you? Thanks for coming and volunteering at Grow Baby. I said, where's Keely? And she said, she's down, she's down in the cafe. I said, thanks, and ran off. And then I got halfway this corridor, and the still small voice of the Lord grabbed me around the throat and said, stop, go back and talk to her properly. So I stopped, went back and said, I really apologise, Elaine. What I should have said to you was, good morning, and how are you? And, but in the midst of the activity and the busyness and the, and the drama, the voice of the Lord just cut through and said, no, stop. We get better at hearing the voice of the Lord, that still small voice, if we practice Jesus, our best example, our best model of how to do life. Um, as he was getting increasingly busy in ministry and the crowds were getting greater and greater and the pressure was getting greater and greater and the expectation for him to be able to meet everybody and pray for everybody and meet the needs of the people was getting greater and greater. It says he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He often withdrew. So much so that people say, well, where has he gone? Where is he? Doesn't he realise there's a lot of people here waiting to see him? He withdrew to lonely places to recalibrate and to hear the still small voice of his father. 
and to empower him to do the ministry God had called him to. Private power, public ministry. And often we try and do this piece without this piece. We try and do the activity or the ministry without the private encounter, the whisper in our lives that fills us and reminds us and takes us deeper into relationship with the Lord. So we're going to make ourselves available to God. Now, okay? Mm-hmm. If you could see your face, it would make you laugh so much. <laughs> okay. God is a good God. And so as I was preparing for this, I really sensed the Lord say, make some space for me. There's been a few other bits and pieces that have come to kind of confirm that. So the great thing is, is that when we say, Jesus, come, come Holy Spirit, he comes. We don't have to make him come. We don't have to twist his arm. We don't have to um, make something happen ourselves. We just make the space. We just go to the mouth of the cave and we say, Lord, would you, we want to meet you here. We want to encounter you here. And we've talked before and we about vulnerability. How actually, John Wimby used to say that faith is spelled R-S-I-K. Risk. We, we don't encounter God until we step out and say, God, will you come? Will you come and actually encounter? Did I spell it wrong? R-I-S-K. He was dyslexic. No, he wasn't. Risk, R-I-S-K. But some people say, actually, no, faith isn't spelled R-I-S-K. It's spelled S-U-R-E. Because actually our God is a faithful God. And we can be sure and certain that he will come. And he wants to encounter his people. So why don't we just stand together? There's no drama here today. We're just going to make space. Um, I'll ask Jake to bring the young people back in as well. I just want to say a few things before we sort of make space. As I said before, ministry should bring the room together. So this is not about experts and non-experts or people who are good at this and not good at this. We're all here just listening to the Lord this morning. We can all expect to hear from him. None of us needs to be fearful. None of us needs to worry. The Lord may say something to you. He may not. That, that's, not that's not a value statement on who you are. We've said before the Spirit speaks to us to exhort us, to encourage us, to, to, to build us up. So if you have a word that's kind of not that way, I'll probably say maybe consider it may not be from the Lord, so maybe don't share it. There's a filter we can use. Is the word going to encourage? Is it going to edify? Is it going to, is it going to build us up? Is it going to exhort us to do something? Secondly, if you're good at this and this comes really easy to you, can I ask you to kind of take a back row seat for a little bit to make space for those who maybe aren't so good at it? Okay, so there's probably people here who, who hear from the Lord really easily, and already now have a word kind of forming in their heart. Can I ask you just to pause your word just for a few moments while we allow space for those maybe who haven't heard from God before to maybe come and respond. It's really worth remembering that God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. And what that means, he doesn't need to work through me to get to you, okay? He, he, He speaks directly to each of us as children. He doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children, okay? So all of us can access God and, be, and be, uh, receive what the Holy Spirit's got for us today. So I'm just going to pray, and let's see what the Lord wants to do. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We really sense your presence this morning. And Lord, we want to listen to you, and we want to respond to you. So God, would you begin to, to speak to us? 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Vineyard Church Wixville, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.